Welcome to the VP Live Network. Your 30-second countdown has begun. This show is intended for adults of legal smoking age, and as such, the content is not intended for viewers and listeners under the age of 18. Vapor's Place is in no way responsible for the opinions of any host on the VP Live Network. Please grab a vape, sit back, and enjoy the show. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, everybody, what's going on? I'm a tad bit hyper today. Just so you know, I'm I'm warning you right off the bat. I am uh, very, very hyper today. So um, let me get Aaron in here. And hello, sir. How are you? Good evening, Jenny. How are you? I am wonderful. Um, today has been a really big day. This has been a really big week in vaping, I guess. I mean... It's been crazy, that's for certain. Yeah, did you see the update on the Indiana bill? Uh, no, I haven't. I, uh, have just literally quit my day job about 30 minutes ago. I had a quick bite to eat and just now starting to get caught up. Yeah, I watched that feed today. Um, Vaping Militia had the, had, was broadcasting the feed and I got to watch that. And I I have to tell you that there were so many people there, and which was a really good sign to me. You know, I love to see when people get to show up. Um, there was a gentleman sitting there with a a sign the size of one of the political signs that they come and stick in your yard without asking you. Um, mm-hmm. That said, I vape, I vote, um, and it. I did see that photo posted uh, earlier. In fact, I'm trying to duplicate that so we can take that to our hearings here when it's time. Yeah, I mean, I was so impressed. Um, Greg was there and he spoke. And, you know, I get really disturbed when people, do, when they say, okay, do you have any questions for me? I'd be glad to answer them. And they just look at them. Because that scares me a little bit. You know, that, that tends mm-hmm. to, to scare me into thinking that these people have already made up their mind. And unfortunately, the vote was six to four in favor of sending it to the floor. Um, but so it wasn't a win. But as far as I'm concerned, it wasn't a loss yet. Because all four of the people that wouldn't vote for it gave specific reasons as to why. You know, this needs clarified. This needs clarified. This needs reexamined, um, which was kind of a positive so, yeah, yeah I, th- I think it is, you know, certainly, you know, this will be the fifth year that we fought bills here. And, and one of the things that I've certainly seen is despite how poorly a bill is or for the wrong reasons or what, what have you, I, I've very rarely seen a bill not get voted out of committee onto the floor. Um, we did see that last year here, uh, which is, was very rare to happen. Um, at least as far as the uh, the vapor bills go, uh, but the uh, the representative actually revived it last year after the hearing. He he went whining to the committee chairman and had it uh, had it revived. But uh, you know, for the most part, I think most of them do make it out to the House floor. But it's it's at that point where you can really get into some good debates, uh, because from what I've seen, most of the people that are sitting on these committees 
you know, and I've seen several people here, uh, you know, Margo and others talk about how their minds are already made up, and you mentioned it as well. Um, they, they do pretty much have their minds made up. They want it to go out there. They want it to pass. So they're going to do whatever they can uh, to, to get it out there. And then uh, Julie Wasner from Kassad did an interview today with the Huffington Post. Um, that, oh, good. Yeah, and it was a segment, and she was there um, on our behalf, and Dr. Michael Siegel was one of the people that they interviewed, and this other guy was a history professor, which kind of okay. kind of didn't make an awful lot of sense to me. Um but you know he was the <laughs> it was it was kind of strange um but Julie did very well uh Dr. Michael Siegel did really well um you know and and the reporter of course quoted the crap study <laughs> and of course yeah yeah and which one well <laughs> let me, she, let me ask, which one the so formaldehyde study the firm the, the okay. formaldehyde study and you know dr siegel was really quick at pointing out that that had been misquoted and that the author of the paper said that you know that it had been retracted that this was incorrect information it is not 15 times more cancer causing than than smoking traditional cigarettes so that was good but i was really kind of surprised that you know as much as it has been out there that that story and the submission was garbage science that there are still reporters that are quoting it as a tested fact yeah yeah, and I, I'm surprised we haven't seen, um, you know, too much of that uh, hit in the press here. Um, there was a little bit of it the day that it was released, but it was literally just like 10-second snippets on the radio or, you know, on the on the TV. So we got fortunate here that they didn't uh, really pick up on it. But I'm expecting that they, uh, you know, here and, and many other states will actually try and bring that into their testimony as to why, you know, we need to be passing this bill or that bill. Um, so, you know, even though it's it's starting to kind of wane off, I do expect it to pick back up as the legislative sessions start kicking up into gear. So now, and tell everybody what you've had going on this week, because you have, you guys have had a really big week going on out there. Um, well, you know, it, it, it wasn't as big as I was hoping it would be, but, um, you know, it was, it was really interesting. Um, what we did is... Um, took a cue from Jeff Steyer, who happened to be out here actually skiing up in Park City, Utah, in the mountains, uh, supposedly in the greatest snow on earth when, in fact, it was falling uh, back home where he lived and totally missing Utah. But that aside, I uh, was speaking with him, and, and he suggested that we put together a policy briefing session uh, before he headed out of town uh, to go back home. So we rushed around, got it, uh, got it all put together. We managed to fly in um, uh, Paul Blair from Americans for Tax Reform. We flew in David Cappell from NBC. Uh, of course, Jeff was here. Uh, we had um, Amanda Klump from Altria. Uh, we had Pamela Gorman from Enjoy. Uh, we had our lobbyists plus lobbyists from RJR and Lorillard. And everybody else. I mean, it was it was really the, the who's who on every side of the industry you could think of um, that showed up for the policy briefing. Um, it was really intimidating, I guess, coming from my side to be sitting around a table for two and a half hours, um, you know, with 
every key player that that there really is. Uh, the only one we were missing really was was Greg. Um, Greg had to cancel. Actually, he didn't have to cancel. United decided to cancel for him because of the impending storm. Um, <clears throat> that never really materialized. Um, but um, so you know, we we had a great group of people here. We we strategized. We talked about everybody's viewpoints on each of the three bills uh, that we currently have in front of us uh, that are going to to certainly affect our industry. Um, and you know, we we found I think some some good common ground, um, while at the same time recognizing that we're not going to remain common throughout the entire session. So you know, really it was about trying to. I guess find that that proverbial olive branch that we could all carry, um, and it was it was really good. Um, one of the, the the big surprises to me uh, was the the RJR who has been against us 100% of the time, and and don't take this as me trusting the comment, but uh, it was very clearly stated that RJR is against taxation of the industry. They have I don't know whether it's just in Utah or whether it is industry-wide, I'm not sure. Um, I know the tricks that they have played, certainly out east and in Oklahoma, um, and you know we're, we're monitoring that with a very cautious approach. Um, just because we sat at the table with them and you know we tipped back a glass of wine with them does not mean that uh, we necessarily like them that much. Um, but um, you know, beyond that, you know, we, we did hold the session um, at the state capitol. Um, we had my board of directors uh, and my officers there. We had a couple of retailers. Uh, we had one of our uh, consumers show up to tell her story. Uh, we had invited every legislator, every media outlet in the state to come. We had no media, and we had one legislator show up. It was very disappointing. But um, with that said, the one legislator that did show up came in like many of them do with, with blinders on, hearing what they only hear in the media, what they have, you know, the health departments and everybody tell them. Um, and by the time she left, she was very educated. She was very aware. Um, you know, and I think we, we changed her mind, at least on the taxation, um, if not even some of the regulation that they're proposing. Um, you know, they're, they, they're pulling out the same old story that taxation is for youth control, youth access. You know, if we raise the, the price of a pack of smokes, kids are just going to magically stop smoking. If we raise the, the price of vapor products that are already $40, $50, $60 and up, they're just magically going to not use the product. We all know that that's just bullshit. Yeah, that's not true because so, my my closest Walmart to me, Aaron, is in New York State. Okay, I mean, I live in Pennsylvania, but I live... Yeah, never. I live in the backwoods of the backwood, as Pup from L.A. Sure. Vapor's Club is fond of telling me. But I have to go into New York State. And a pack of cigarettes at Walmart is over $10. And yeah. you know what? Yeah. You go but, to walk into Walmart, and there are always kids standing outside of there finishing their cigarette before they go in the store. Yeah, yeah. What, what was really interesting, uh, Dave Campbell with NBC, um, he and I were talking um, the uh, the day before he arrived, and we were kind of looking at some of the, the statistics and data, and what he actually found, and we're certainly working this into um, you know to our testimony that we're prepping for uh, for this session, but you know New York obviously has I think if if I'm not mistaken they have the highest tax rate in in the country, um, and they also have of course they do they have to pay enough. for New York City. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. New York's not cheap. 
Um, but they also have one of the, the highest teen smoking rates in the country, despite the high tax. Whereas you come here to Utah, where we are among the bottom of the tax rates, and we have the lowest smoking rate among teens. Taxation is not what's fixing it. It's not a tax issue. And that's one of the things that I, you know, we, we really tried to drive that, that point home with this one particular legislator, uh, and we're really going to drive it home during the committee hearings as well. Um, you know, and what we really brought to her um, is, you know, if they really want to control youth access at the point of sale, they need to enforce the laws that they have in place. You know, it's 19 to as a tobacco use age here. Uh, I think we're one of three or four states that has that. Um, so they need to enforce that. But if they really want to truly control it, why not put in active age verification at every point of sale in the state who sells an age-restricted product? Every gas station, every convenience store, every, every grocery store, Walmart, Kmart, vape shop, smoke shop, if you're selling an age-restricted product, alcohol, tobacco, pornography, whatever, why aren't they using that? It's a foolproof way to ensure age access. Well, because that wouldn't make them any money. Exactly. And which, you know, from a strategy standpoint, that's what you want them to admit. You want oh, yeah. them to admit that it's about the money. It's not about control. It's not about access. It's about how can we make the most money. I and had, say that we're doing it for the children. Yeah, I had this exact conversation with somebody that is a non-smoker at the post office today. And they brought the subject mm-hmm. up to me. Um, they're in, you know, I mean, this town is tiny. But anyway, um, I'm at the post office, and a uh, girl that I know says to me, she says, Janie, I've been reading your post and stuff, and I started looking into that. All of this stuff, she says, and you kept saying it's not about your health and safety, it's about the money. And she said, I don't think that I have any faith in the FDA anymore. She said, you're exactly anymore. right. It is all, oh, it's, it's about money. Do. And I said, yes, it is. It's about money. So, you know, I, I kind of feel bad sometimes for the people that aren't vapors that are friends on my Facebook um, and that get my news feed because a lot of it is advocacy things and a lot of it is FDA things and, and stuff like that. But, you know, I wasn't really into politics until I became a vapor. I really wasn't. And I mean, and I'll admit that to anybody. I didn't give a shit. You know, I wanted to go vote for whoever lied the least. Because at least then I I had a better idea what I was. Yeah. And um, and when I became a vapor and these bands started rolling out and the lies started rolling out and then I started doing anti nanny with Jan on Monday nights. I am so disturbed by the fact that the majority of people are blind to the fact that none of this is really about health and safety anywhere. It is. It always comes back to being about the money and control. Yep, it is. It is. And, you know, the one thing that you'll, you'll never really get them to admit is what you just said. It's about money. It's about control. Um, and we've got a, a strategy this year to where we're going to try and get them to admit to that. Um, and we're, we're going to be hitting them from many different angles. Um, you know, we've got a team of our, our organization has hired two lobbyists. Um, we've been able to reform ourselves from just a, 
you know, a kind of a, I don't, I don't want this to sound bad, a rank-and-file vapors club, because there's, there's no such thing as a rank-and-file, but we've reformed as a 501c4 uh, association just this, uh, this last November. And through that, we've been able to um, actually start accepting dues from all of our members and hire a couple of lobbyists which is the first time in, in five years that we've been able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's going to be a really big year. So we've got our lobbyists. We've got, you know, uh, the Altria lobbyists. We've got the, uh, the RJR. We've got all of the lobbyists fighting this angle, um, and we've got their commitment that they're going to do it. Um, also speaking with uh, the Americans for Tax Reform, they actually have a signed document, uh, at least here in Utah, from 16 of the House and Senate members that they will not pass any bill of any kind that has taxation involved in it. Um, and there are several people that are on the committees that we know that this bill is going to hit um, who have signed that document. So if they decide to go ahead and vote for it, then they will be breaking their promise to the American taxpayers, which will be very heavily publicized by the Americans for Tax Reform. Well, that's a bonus. Um, so, you know, we, we're, we're trying some all kinds of new different techniques and strategies this year than, than we've ever attempted. Um, you know, they've, they've always underestimated the, the power of the vapors, not just here, but everywhere in every state. Um, you know, you, you show up to some of these, these hearings, city council, counties, and the state, you're seeing hundreds and hundreds of vapors showing up for these things. So they underestimate us each and every time. Um, you know, personally, I have a strategy that every year I'm going to come out with some new, some new bullet in the chamber that you know our uh, the representative that we uh, we deal with is not going to see coming, um, and hopefully uh, this year this one's going to uh, surprise him equally as well. Well, and I mean, and it's a step, and unfortunately, you know, I am not, I am not smart enough to sit and figure out what these bullets are. But, and I've said this over and over and over again, um, and you're one of those people I always tell everybody, I'm like, if you're not following this guy on Twitter, you should be. Um, and I'm I'm not a Twitter person oh, either. Shit, I haven't been on Twitter for months. Yeah, I'm not a Twitter person either, you know. Um, but I am smart enough to know who the smart people are and to listen to those smart people <laughs> advising me what sh- my move should be. Um, and here, and, and you mentioned 501C, so I'm going to bring this up. Um, I'm not going to list off the, the name and the place, but um, there was a really, really ignorant blog post uh, this week about how there are too many organizations. And Yes, I saw that one. Yeah. Did you see that? Did that, did that, because... I'll tell you what, and the only reason I found out about it was I was watching Inside Vaping Tuesday night because Ed and Dagger and Dane um, are three people that I consider real-life friends, and I really enjoy their show, and they had this thing on their show, and I was making juice while I was listening to this show, and I got so irate. That I had to stop. It ended up taking me four hours to get my juice, my e-liquid done, my DIY finished, because I was just so irate over that. It, you know, 
if somebody is going to come out, in my opinion, if somebody's going to come out and say, well, you're doing it wrong and 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 you can't trust that one and you can't trust that one, you better have a better plan. Yep, exactly. And and there was no it's better... It's really easy to point fingers, but you got to remember you're throwing four back at yourself every time you do that. Yeah, I mean, there was no better plan. Not, none. I mean, I, I, oh my God, I and I feel so bad. Because I made them bring me on their Skype call in the after show. And I mean, and the the first thing to come out of my mouth was, what in the holy fuck? And and poor, the poor guys, I mean, I was just floored at the amount of criticism and finger pointing in it with, with, out even, I don't even think he really understands the concept. I understand activism and I understand advocacy. And for somebody to be able to to say that it doesn't appear to be doing any good is ridiculous to me. I, I can't even, I just cannot fathom the logic that went into that. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things, and I, I've been seeing this in a lot of the, certainly the, the online social media groups. Um, you see it probably every other day in the CASA group, where people always seem to be casting stones, pointing fingers, blaming everybody. Um, but yet, when it comes time to actually do something, they don't lift a finger, they don't get off their ass, they don't send in a letter, make a phone call, uh, they don't do anything. They, they just sit behind their chair. Um, and they do nothing. Ultimately, that's what it amounts to is nothing. Um, and then, you know, to sit there and, you know, blame the Tennessee Smoke Free Association and AIMSA and CASA, and although CASA was rated very high on this article, if I remember correctly, um, you know, and, and all of these other associations really shows that they don't truly understand what's going on in the industry and why all of these different angles need to be covered. Uh, there's so many attacks coming from so many angles. You know, one organization cannot cover it. You know, CASA, you know, does everything that they can with an all-volunteer staff to bust their ass to help cover the country. But they cannot physically show up at every state, every county, every city hearing. That's where we need the boots on the ground. That's where we need the state associations, the states to organize and get their people together and get them off their collective bums and get them into the buildings. Well, I have to tell you, and and I t- every time I have one of the advocacy guys on here, I have to tell you this, and and thank you, by the way, thank you. I'm not a Utah resident, but thank you, thank you for Be fighting. Glad you're not a Utah resident. <laughs> <laughs> I've got enough food storage that I would I would fit in with the Mormon population really well, but um, yeah, you it, probably would. Well, except for my cussing and my nicotine and, you know, my occasional drink. and <laughs> Oh, that's okay. I just sit out of my dri- in my driveway with a beer and my vape, and I wave at him as they walk by. Yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, my, my, my father is, is Mormon, so we, we have some pretty lively discussions, he and I. Uh, <laughs> he, yeah. But, um, you know, ad- all of you people that fight for this advocacy all the time, Thank you. Um, people should tell you thank you more often. You know, CASA is a grassroots consumer organization, and they're true to that. That is what they want to be, and that the, that is what they have always stayed true to. You know, um, Safada has set out 
on a mission and they are working towards that mission. You are on a mission and you are working towards that mission. Um, I, are there a lot of organizations out there? Yes, there are. But as far as I'm concerned, there's not enough. There... No, there's not near enough. You know, we, we need a, you know, a, a smoke-free association or a vaping association or some sort of a, a state association for our community in every, all 50 states. We need it. Even if you don't have legislation going on today, you're lucky. Count your blessings. But get yourself organized because if you don't get organized now, it's going to come back. It's going to bite you square in the ass, and you're not going to be organized when you most need it. I mean, that's, that's really what this is all about is being able to see far enough in advance to realize that with all of these states currently doing it, it's not going to take long before the rest of them catch on. So you need to get yourself organized. You need to start meeting with your legislators now. Start meeting with your media. Even if you're not getting on the media, start making media contacts. Start meeting them, going out to events where they're at. Just introducing yourself. Give them a card. Say, hey, I'm a vapor. You know, here's how to get a hold of me if you guys ever have a story. You know, try and start getting that word out. It's really important that, you know, you start making, you know, making them aware of who you are, putting a face to a community. And we hear, and like I said, I mean, I live in the country, but the legislators from McKean County and Powder County, both all have, um, they've gotten several emails from me and um, with telephone numbers and any contact information. And I mean, it's just reaching out. And I try to tell yeah. people all the time that being involved with advocacy doesn't have to be a 40 hour a week job. Oh, yeah. I know it is. It is another job for you. It is a job for Stefan. It is a job for Greg Conley. It is a, I mean, Jan, the, the amount of work that Jan does with CASA is, is absolutely mind-blowing um, and amazes me. Jan, as just Jan as a person, just absolutely blows my mind all the time. Um, she never gives herself enough credit for anything. Um, so I do it all the time. But, you know, it's if you had to tell somebody that said, okay, I have five minutes that I can do some advocacy. What would you tell them to do? You know, honestly, it, it, it would depend on where they live because you really have to look at each individual situation differently. There is no one-size-fits-all approach to advocacy. Um, you know, every state, you know, Utah's very unique in that. You know, I see the community very frequently saying, oh, you know, we need the Republicans. We need the Republicans. They're our friend. Come to Utah. Not exactly the case. Um, in fact, every Republican in this state, or almost every Republican, hates our community. Um, so it's, it's very unique. Um, and every situation is very unique. So you need to look at it and truly understand what the, you know, what, I guess what the topic du jour is for you know, for that particular person or that particular location. Um, you know, if you're in a city like New York, you know, obviously they've got a lot going on. Look at California with the latest, uh, you know, slam in, in California that's now seeming to, uh, I, I think that's even becoming bigger than the big F word right now. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, there's no one thing that you can really tell it at somebody other than be prepared to get off your ass. Don't hesitate. The moment you hesitate is the moment that the opposition gets the upper hand on you. 
Um, in a lot of these states, when there's things going on, you get less than 24 hours to actually form a coherent response. This is something that CASA constantly is out there uh, preaching is get your letters ready. You know, start writing your story down. Even if it's, if it's not going to apply to you today or tomorrow, you've got it down. So when you need it, when you need snippets from it, you've got it ready to go. I've got, entire, I've got several entire PowerPoint presentations and documents written that, that have been put together over the last few years that I still refer to to this day for just because I know in this, in this I've got a quote from this doctor or this specialist or you know, from this authority to where I can pull that out when I need it. And that's really what this is about. You know, advocacy is about being prepared. You're not out there fighting necessarily every day of the year, um, but you need to be prepared every day of the year. It's almost like an emergency responder. Um, you have to always be ready to, be, to jump in there, put your boots on the ground, and get out there. Uh, and that's really what it is about. You know, monitor your state. Follow what's going on in your city councils. Um, you know, one person cannot do it all. You need everybody in that area to jump in and do their part. Uh, and that's one of the things I've been trying to work with our, our people here in Utah, and especially my, my board of directors and, and my officers who are very new into all of this, is, you know, each of you pick an, an area of the state, pick a county or a couple of counties, subscribe to every email list for every health department and city council and everything that you can find so that we can be alerted to this stuff when it happens. Otherwise, and we've seen this already here, and we've seen it in a lot of states, you're going to see city councils passing bans when you didn't even know there was an attempt to ban it. And that's our fault for not being observant. We need to be out there. We need to follow what's going on in our own areas. If you truly care about the industry, you need to do something. I am I am fortunate um, in the fact that as a citizen of the state of Pennsylvania, um, I the, the smartest thing that I have done, uh, I think, is to make sure that I am on Bill Godchell's email list. Um, and, you know, that's an excellent one. Yeah. And like I said, I follow the smart people, <laughs> you know, um, not much gets by him. And living where I live, our our local newspaper even comes out of New York State. So I really know more about what is going on with the uh, current bills in New York State than I do any in Pennsylvania. And the reason I hear about the ones from Pennsylvania is because I'm on Bill Gatchel's email list. And, you know, I have to be that person that sits back and appreciates all of the hard work that other people do um, solely because I am not in a location where I'm a whole awful lot of good to anybody other than once a week coming on this show and trying to get things out to people and posting all of the links that I can on Facebook for people to be able to watch and listen to. Um, but it's, it's what I can do. So it's what I do. Well, exactly. You know, and not everybody, obviously, is going to be able to get out to the city council hearings, to the state hearings, you know, when there's, there's something going on at the state level. You know, we're not saying everybody has to do it, but, you know, there's, there's going to be a time. I mean, if, if you really care about this industry, there's going to be a time, and I certainly saw this with my board of directors uh, yesterday. Uh, I think it was yesterday. I see, see one of my directors uh, online right now, Brian Fisher. A little shout out there for you, buddy. 
Um, I think it was yesterday. This this week is just totally blown blown by me. Um, but you know, I had most of my my directors and several of my officers take the day off of work. They they lost pay for the cause because they cared that much about what's going to happen to the industry that has to them saved their lives and saved the lives of hundreds of thousands, millions of other people. You know, some of us, you know, and I'm one of these people, I never had the guts, and I will be absolutely honest, I never had the guts to start up my own business, um, you know, selling this product. My wife has been after me for four years since I quit um, to start my own business because I was that passionate about it. I helped so many people in the first 60 days of, of switching over. She's like, why don't you just start a business? And I was too scared. Um, but what I did in turn was I started up this association four years ago. Uh, it's actually, yeah, we're, we're coming up on that mark. Um, in about 30 days, actually, just a little over 30 days, we'll hit our four-year anniversary. Um, so, you know, that's what I did. You know, some of these people have enough business smarts, um, have enough, you know, have enough guts and take enough risk to open up these shops in a very unstable climate, uh, which, you know, nobody will deny that it's, you know, a very unknown right now because of the FDA and what the states are trying to do. Um, you know, I didn't feel for me that I, I was willing to take that risk. So I started up this association. If you don't have an association in your state, guess what? Put it together. It only takes two of you to put one together. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of the old Field of Dreams quote, you know, build it and they will come. That's exactly what's going to happen with the vapors. You build it, you throw it out there on Facebook, social media, you get it out there in the CASA the group or some of these other national vapor groups, um, and people are going to see it. They'll start passing it around, um, and people will start coming to your events. You know, and that's really where it needs to start. Get together, have a vape, have a beer, have a sandwich. If you can indoors, if you can't, do it outdoors, just maybe not this time of year, depending on where you're at in the country. Yeah, we just um, got 10 inches of snow. I'm not doing that here. <laughs> That's okay. We we haven't had a vape meet here. Uh, you know, Brian Brian could probably tell you, but it's it's been a couple of months since we've done a vape meet because we're limited to outdoors only, uh, and even outdoors we're a bit limited on where we can have it because some of the cities even ban it from parks. Um, so uh, you know we have to be very creative where we do our vape meets. But you know, obviously this time of year, not real conducive for an outdoor vape meet. Um, not when there's snow. Not when it's cold. <laughs> And yes, Brian, more than a couple of shots. <laughs> many, many shots. You know, I, the guys will t guys will tell you the vape meets uh, seem to be a, a contest on who can shove the most Jägermeister down Aaron's throat. Oh yeah, no, no, I'm I really don't like licorice at all. I've never, never been a fan of Jägermeister. I I, uh, <laughs> I just I had shots. yeah, I just had my five year mark. I just hit my five-year mark at the beginning of this month. And to this day, it is something that absolutely amazes me because I never thought I would not be a smoker. Ever. Mm -hmm. um, and, I look the same way. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's absolutely amazing. When they, and I think they cut us short um, by... Not cut us short. Um, I don't even. I can't even think of the word I want to use right now. But I oh underestimate. I think they underestimate us um, because mm -hmm. 
smokers have been beat into the corner for so long, they think that we're just yep. going to allow the same thing to happen. And I think the reason yeah. that they underestimate us like that is they have absolutely no idea how amazing it is to us to not be smokers anymore. And to this day, it absolutely amazes me that I am no longer a smoker. You know, yeah, I mean, exactly. You know, it, and it's funny. Just, just a real quick, you know, anecdote. Um, we did have um, a, a local consumer that came to our um, our event here this week, and she didn't get an opportunity to tell her story, uh, which I, I is very unfortunate. I'm hoping that she'll have the opportunity to to testify uh, at one of her hearings. Um, but you know, she told a, a very good story. You know, she started smoking when she was 13 years old, um, very lightly. Uh, but became fully addicted at 15. Um, I mean, she apparently remembers the the events that clearly. Um, certainly better memory than what I've got. Um, but through her life, and, and she's in her, her mid to upper 30s right now and was a smoker her whole life up until just a little over a year ago. Um, she was a police dispatcher, and because of her nicotine addiction, um, even though she was a smoker through, you know, her time as a, a dispatcher, her smoking is is essentially what got her fired because she, you know, it's a very high-stress job for anybody that understands dispatch. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was constantly having to take smoke breaks to try and relieve that stress. And that is eventually what, what got her into, uh, uh, you know, her, her termination. And because of the termination and because of other life events, she started using illicit drugs. Um, and cigarettes you know all of a sudden just didn't wasn't enough um but she could never put down the cigarettes she went through rehab she was able to get clean off of the illicit drugs but she could never get clean off of the the tobacco um and then about a year ago she found electronic cigarettes um she was using just the cigalikes like many you know initially start off using and found that that really wasn't satisfying her but it, it piqued her curiosity enough because she was able to cut down and she went out after a few months and bought herself, uh, I forget what it was, some, you know, some third generation device with a, you know, a nice tank and, or actually, no, she was using, she's using a rebuildable um, and some sort of a digital device. Um, and once she was able to switch to that device, she was able to 100% give up cigarettes. And a year later, she is now 100% nicotine free. And she's been struggling with that her whole life. She's gone through rehab for cigarettes, for tobacco. Um, she's gone through all kinds of, you know, drug counseling and therapy and, and psychologists and all of that. And it was vaping that saved her. I mean, the, the story, I mean, and she obviously tells a story much better than I, than I do. But, you know, it, I, I felt more humbled talking to her about her story than I think I have from anybody who's ever told me their, their life story. Um, you know, she's been through hell and back, um, and it was vaping that literally pulled her out of the hole and saved her life. And those are the kind of people that we need to get involved. And there's lots um, of know, us that are exactly like that, you know. Um, absolutely I, there is. I, and I'm, you know, my story isn't anywhere near as amazing as hers is. But um, I spent nine days, nine and a half days in an intensive care unit with a pulmonary embolism. And when I got out, I lit a cigarette. 
You know, um, my wow. my youngest child was 11 years old and I'm laying in a hospital bed before Christmas in an intensive care unit. And they're saying, you know, don't move around too much because of this clot, you know, you can break up part of this clot. And if it goes to your brain, you're going to die. And um, yeah, mm-hmm. when I got out, I lit a cigarette um, and it was January the 8th when I finally got the blue in the mail that, you know, my husband had asked me to try. I had never had any inclination and that I had no faith in this thing working for me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But I did it to make him happy. I'm not sure any, any of us did back then. So I think, you know, when they say, you know, well, there's no long-term studies, there's there's no clinical proof. Well, are we all liars? Is that what they think? They think that all of these hundreds of thousands of people are are all liars? How is it that we turn ourselves from an anecdote to a fact? You know, and one of the things when today... Throw, when they throw hundreds of thousands of dollars to some scientist, or quote-unquote scientist, have to say that very carefully in this room, um, and say, go study it. That's the only way. But and then and they, don't, they don't. They don't. They don't ask us. They don't want to know what we're thinking. Accepted. Yeah, I mean. No, they don't. They don't care. You know, there is no clinical proof that this actually helps people quit. Well, there's hundreds and thousands of us. You know, yeah, yeah. we're we're all here. And then you know, today in the in the interview that Julie was part in, and by the way, Julie Wasner, go you. You Julie did a phenomenal job today. Um. But the guy kept talking about addiction. You know, these people that are vaping and they're still feeding an addiction. And every time somebody says that, I want to kick them in the shins. In yeah. the nads. I, I, I want to kick them in, in their chicken nuggets and say, you know, what is my addiction to nicotine doing to you? Really? You know, because they have taken it from an anti-smoking campaign because that was actually doing something. And people were quitting smoking and a bunch of people thought they were going to lose their really cushy jobs and turned it into an anti-nicotine campaign. And and every time, well, but they're still feeding their addiction. But look, asshole, I'm not giving myself cancer. I'm exactly. not. You know, the, the best response that, that I've heard to, but you're still addicted to nicotine, you're still using nicotine. Best response I heard to that actually came from Jeff Steyer, um, and it was a two word answer. So what? Simple to the point. So what? Why do you care? Why is my habits, my addiction, and I, in fact, I, I wouldn't even call it an addiction at this point. It's more of a dependence than it is an addiction. I mean, when you really break it down to the, the true, true language, you know, why is that so important to you? Why does that hurt you? Why does that hurt anybody around me? It doesn't. I drink Jack Daniels. Sorry, Stefan. I drink Jack Daniels. In this state, drinkers are, you know, not very popular people. But you know what? I don't care. So what? Why do you care what I do? You know, that's really should be our response is so what? It's not hurting anybody. 
and to uh, Mr. and Mrs. FDA on the caffeine. Utah has one has a very high caffeine usage rate. They love their Diet Cokes and Mountain Dews because they can't have anything else. And I think everybody knows who I mean when I say they. They're allowed to have caffeine. They can have Diet Coke and Mountain Dews. Now, they didn't used to. They didn't used to. They didn't used to. That's true. Yeah, Pepsi and they still can't have coffee though. Yeah, believe me, I, I was I was eight years old when when my father uh, married a woman that was in the in the church, and you know he went from an alcoholic and a drug addict to this wonderful fella. Um, and he's my father, and I love him. Don't get me wrong there, but um, yeah, and I went home and I said to my mom, and I said, Mom, I do you really go to hell for eating chocolate and drinking Pepsi? And my mother and my mother looked at me and said, "What in the hell are you talking about?" But you know, I mean, it was you know caffeine and anything, anything that you know disrupted the temple of your body. And I, I don't begrudge anybody their religion. Everybody's more than welcome to believe in what they believe in. But you know, I, I was eight years old, and it didn't make sense to me that you could not get into heaven over Pepsi and Hershey bars. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, yep. so, no, so I'm, I'm with you. You know, and my body is my temple. I, I worship it, you know, nightly with a, uh, you know, a glass of Jack Daniels or maybe a little bit of rum or something like that. You know, that's what the ancients used to do. They they used to, to, to bring all those kind of things to the altar. You know, that's what I bring to my altar. Yeah, I'm telling you what, if uh, Bacardi ceased to exist, uh, my husband would be a much less happy man. <laughs> <laughs> He really would. Uh, the The best thing my husband enjoyed about being stationed in the country of Panama for three years was the fact that there are two Bacardi factories in that country. And for $10, you could take a tour of the factory, and they gave you free samples. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they used I'm actually to, going to be touring a, a rum factory here later this year. Yeah, they, they used to make a, a weekend of it. Um, because you can actually swim in the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean all in the same day in the country of Panama. It's quite easy to do because it's little. But, yeah, so this little itty-bitty country and uh, had two Bacardi factories. He was he was quite happy being stationed there. So thank you, United States Air Force. Um, he wasn't so happy when Reagan cut off the money and they had the Panama invasion. <laughs> that, wasn't so, that wasn't so fun to be stationed during. Um, but, you know... The biggest thing, I think, for us to combat when we get through all of this junk science and crap is to make sure that people understand that this addiction to nicotine that these people are thumping on now. I mean, and they are thumping on that like a Bible. They really are. But you're still addicted to nicotine. Okay, but what does that do? Yeah, exactly. So what? I mean, that's really what it amounts to. Who cares? Why do you care? You know, they they want us to to get off of the combustible products. So we did. We did, and you're still bitching. (laughs) We did, and you're still bitching at us. We didn't support their funding to do it, and that's why they're so pissed. I am, you know, in... (sighs) 
Sorry, I'm having a rum, so my language may be loosening up. Oh, that's okay. Bit. No, that's okay. Um, I'm I'm really trying to behave with my language tonight. <laughs> I really am, um, and because I'm sure that I am Iron Horse is still sober. Um, I am Iron Horse uh, makes it. I am the cause of his liver damage because every time I drop the F word, he has to drink, um, which usually means he's intoxicated 15 minutes into the show. And, nice. Yeah, well, you know, I am who I am. I just don't understand what the issue is. Well, I do understand. That's that's a lie because I do understand. The issue is money. That is the issue. It's money. We got a bunch of people that have had very lucrative careers on an anti-smoking campaign. It is. Uh-huh. It has been a big money industry, and it's, these people well, and are. You, and, and you just said the word that is the key, Jeannie. It's an industry. It is an entire global corporation that has been built around behavior control. Is really what it amounts to, and it's an industry. It, it really is an industry, and they're scared to hell. That they might have to get a real job. Yep. Welcome to our world. Or they might have to they or they might have to find something else to pick on. Right it, now we're an easy target because they think we're small, they think we're sheeple, like no offense to to you know all the smokers that are out there, but you know as smokers we were all for the most part sheeple. And I there's not one vapor that I I have talked to who has truly told me, who could honestly tell me that they were very deeply involved in political activism as a smoker. But it wasn't until they switched over to being a vapor did they become truly involved, did their eyes open up and realize that all of these agencies, all of these industries, these these alphabet industries, have been lying to us all these years. I am, and I say that all the time, uh, Jan's like, well, what do we do? And I'm like, people, we need to stop being sheep. Stop being sheep. I guess sheeple's a nicer word, but, yeah, I am always on that one. Stop being sheep. Don't just take this crap. Don't let them steer you where you want to go. Jan posted an article um, yesterday or today. I don't even remember what day it was, but San Francisco Bay Area is talking about banning barbecues, barbecue grills in your backyard. I saw like, that. What in the I holy fuck that. is that? Crack it up. You know, I'm like, what? See, and they came out and and um, every farm magazine that there is out there, every country living magazine that there is out there, if you if you go through the grocery store and you see one, stop and flip through it. You will find a full page ad for a company that sells the outdoor wood boilers, the outdoor wood furnaces, because come April the fifteenth, they're banned, and. And I am just floored at this. I live in an area of the country that most people heat their homes with wood because they own a bunch of property. They're they're trying to ban that here in Utah this year. They've got a bill to ban wood-burning fireplaces um, during the winter months in Utah. And and why is that? Well, you know, a lot of people are going to feed a bunch of bullshit, and they're going to say it's because of the air pollution. Really? Then do something about the fucking cars. Because I promise you... Well, see, 
Utah, again, you know, Utah is one of those unique areas, or at least Salt Lake City is one of those unique areas to where we're surrounded by mountains. So every year uh, we get this, this unique weather pattern called an inversion, which is where the, the air aloft is warmer than the air on the ground. And it traps all of those pollutants in. It doesn't matter how many cars you take off the road. There's factories here. There's automobiles here. There's restaurants that cook. You know, there's, there's homes that have fireplaces. You know, and, and like you said, there's a lot of homes who depend upon that. Yeah, so let's, attack, let's attack the heat. renewable resource? Right. <laughs> I mean, and that's what it boils down to to me. I'm like, okay, so let's shut down the renewable resource that man has been using since they discovered fire. Oh, that's right. You yep, can grow exactly. your you can grow your own firewood, and which which is what happened. Yeah, um, you know that's right. If you have trees on your property and you are doing selective harvesting and you are heating your home with that, the gas industry is losing out, the electric industry is losing out, and that means the city where you live is losing out. Because anybody that that doesn't mm-hmm. understand that these public utilities um, pay these towns for the privilege of selling their shit there um, is really naive. Yep. You know, I mean, it, it happens. Yeah, it's, it's really scary what, you know, what our state governments are, are really getting to. You know, and it, it truly is. It, it, and I'm not going to say this is happening in every state because it's not. You know, there are some states who, you know, whose politicians – actually have half a brain. Um, I don't know if it was their upbringing. I don't know if it was the, the clean air and, and fresh living and, you know, worshiping their temple or whatever you, whatever it happens to be. But, there, you know, there's some of these areas where, you know, they really don't get into this whole nanny approach to telling people how to live their lives. They let people live the way that they want to live. And guess what? The people there are happy. They don't get pissed. You know, you don't have people doing riots. You don't have people, you know, protesting and picketing. Why is that? What? Sorry, it's just one of those things that just, it still baffles me that, you know, these people, you know, are so sold on money and greed and power that they just say, screw the public. Yeah, it's it's a constant feed the machine. And until yeah. until large numbers of people, large numbers of people, stop believing that it is anything other than about the money. It's an uphill yep. battle. And, and I, for one, am extremely thankful. By the way, any of you people out there in advocacy groups, anything, the NVC, the AVA, the uh, CASA, the vaping militia, all of the local vape groups, Safada, all of you people, thank you. Thank you for doing what it is that you do. It is appreciated. Um, and, you know, what, it, what it's doing to Jeannie, uh, you know, it, the, the efficacy that our, our community, our global community does from what I have personally seen, is very infectious. We're seeing people, I'm seeing at least people, standing up and fighting 
more than they have ever fought before. I don't think it is just, and this is just me, but I don't think it's just our screwed-up government that's causing them to stand up. I think what they're doing, what's happening, is the general public is seeing the grassroots efforts of not just our community, but some of the other, other communities as well. They're seeing those boots on the ground. They're seeing people get out there and get pissed and do something about it, and it's causing something. It's causing people to wake up, to get off their butts and do something about it instead of just sitting back and taking it up the keister like we've done for so many years. I um, <laughs> I actually – I have chickens. I don't live on a farm, by the way. I live in in the town that I live in. But we have – Okay, one of my neighbors has some too. Yeah, we have chickens. Um, I don't have any roosters because they're just loud and obnoxious, and if anything wakes me up at the crack of freaking dark, I'm going to cut its head off. Um, yeah, they are, and I've, I've, I've thought about doing that. Yeah, no, 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 no. So, you know, we have chickens, so I have organic eggs. I'm not paying $4 a dozen for them at the grocery store. I give them away to the entire neighborhood. I grow vegetables. Um, I have hydroponic gardens. You know, uh, my funny thing was my my dad wanted to know what I wanted for Christmas, and I said, I want this new 300-watt LED grow light, Dad. And he's like, do you realize it has a marijuana leaf on it? And I said, I don't give a shit if it's got a marijuana leaf sticker on the front of it. I'm going to grow my beans and my peas. <laughs> I don't give a shit, Dad. It's still a damn grow light. Um, I walked in a restaurant the other day. Uh, my friend Bonnie and I went to have lunch. Um, she's a friend of mine here that is also a vapor. Uh, we went down to have lunch, and a uh, lady that lives up the road from me says, Jeannie, you know, every time I drive by your house, I have to laugh at that purple glow coming out of your house. And I said, well, if you need eggs or some fresh green beans or something, you just need to let me know, Shirley. And she's like, really? You know, so I do what I can to to be a little more self-sufficient. Um, it is my way of fighting the man. Um, because everything is about the money. And to me, mine is more about being prepared than anything. You know, the more the more dependent you are on yourself, uh, the the farther along you are. But everything is a huge industry. You know, when I go to the grocery store here and I go to get green peppers, they've got a sticker on them that they're a product of some other country. Yep. And that bothers me. That that really bothers me. Um, and it's not that, you know, I'm against trade with other countries. It's that why the fuck should my green peppers be grown in Ecuador? This is this is crazy. This is just crazy to me. Mm-hmm. And vaping is vaping is one of those things and fighting these regulations. And this is this whole holy oh shiny moment. OK, but just follow me for a minute. Fighting these vaping bans and getting other people involved, non-vapers involved in this, is really important. Because after it's about vaping, first it was smoking. Well, and now it's about vaping. Well, and then it's caffeine. And then it's salt. And then it's sugar. It's a bunch of people that don't give two shits about whether you actually live or die, Aaron. That are starting... To make rules about every aspect of your life. Yep. California and New York are two perfect examples of that. 
everything causes cancer in the state of California. So I have decided that the solution to that is, Stefan, pack your shit and move out of California. Because if you stay in California, you're going to die. You're going to get cancer and you're going to die. I'm just, I'm telling you. We'll just ship him more whiskey. That'll help. Well, I think the whole thing is just going to turn into to sand soon because the way they keep depleting the the water resources in the state of California, and but yet they're still allowing bottled water companies in California to bottle water and sell it. Um, yeah, that that no, they just steal it from Utah. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but yes, Stefan, California really does need you. But I, I do have to say that I have seen a phenomenal amount of ignorant shit come out of California. Um, it is. This, yeah, this activism and this and I guess in that blog, that blog really kind of annoyed me, too, because it's like activism and, and advocacy are two separate things and people need to understand what they are. You know what? Shut up. Dude, please. And and I'll say this on my own show, and it's recorded, so if he wants to hear it on a podcast, he can. You are an ignorant asshole. It has nothing to do with the fact that this person is a new vapor. And that's what bothered me, was a lot of people were saying, oh my God, he's only been vaping three months, and that's why he's so stupid. No, that's bullshit. No, it's not. It has nothing to do with that. Because it has been my experience that new vapors are some of the most passionate people about vaping. I love, I love new vapors for the most part. I just think that this asshole is an exception to that. (laughs) He's an exception to my rule. I love new vapors. I I think that they're passionate and I love that. I mean, he he, he was passionate in and of himself. I mean, he he took the effort, you know, and and I'm not trying to justify, you know, his story because trust me, I think it's as much bullshit as anybody. But he was passionate enough to write a story, to build a blog, to, to put up a website about the industry. Yes, maybe for some ulterior motives, but nonetheless, he had some passion. As misguided as it was, he had passion. Um, it's about harnessing that passion and really directing it and trying to, I guess, you know, sharpen it and, and get it pointed in the right direction. You know, when, when we all quit, every one of us became very passionate about the industry. That's why we're all doing what we're doing. Um, you know, even, you know, everybody that just, you know, even the people who just listen and, and maybe just sit behind the, the computer and, and do the, the armchair stuff because not everybody can get out there. They are still passionate. It's about harnessing that passion and directing it where it needs to go. Do everything that you can within your power to, to do good in this industry to help this industry, help your local vapors. Stop shopping with the China companies and buy from your local retailers. They're the ones who are helping smokers make the switch. They are the ones who are truly helping this industry. You know, there's, there's so many different aspects that, that we have to look at. Um, you know, our retailers are great resources for these new vapors. I hear stories every time I walk in uh, to a shop, and, and Brian will certainly testify to this, because he works with a, um, a very large group of vapors down uh, south of me. Um, every one of them are passionate. Every one of them. We've seen passion grow in the last year in this state like I had never seen, which tells me 
it's not that we have people who are just getting extra excited all of a sudden. We have a huge influx of new people coming in to our community who are seeing what this does, who sees that it helps them, and they're doing what they can to help other people. That's what we need. We need people to get out there. And you know what? It may only take five minutes a day or ten minutes a day. And you know what? If it takes you an hour a day, so be it. But guess what? If you help one person stop smoking and change your life, isn't that worth it? Um, and, you know, and that's an the thing. An hour of your time? That is the thing, as I have said. I have been doing these shows for a very long time. And sometimes it feels like I've been doing them for a very long time. But most of the time, I find it amazing. And the reason I keep doing it, I tell people two things. If I help one person stop smoking, that's worth 10 years to me. Absolutely. Because, you know, I feel like vaping literally has saved my life. Because I would not have stopped smoking. I, I mean, I'm I'm not proud. I will be 100% honest with you. I would still be smoking or dead. Yes, my, I, I, have an, I have an aunt that was just diagnosed with small cell lung cancer. And is, as hard as it is for everybody to deal with, she has chosen the way that she wants to finish her life. Um, you know, her, her sister is really, really irate with her that she has not stopped smoking or using her e-cig. Because she's a dual user. She's down in Florida with my mother. My mother is also a, a dual user. Um, when they're around non-smokers or people that are vapors, they vape. Um, when they're around the group of girls that they play cards with, they smoke. Um, both of them have smoked since they since before they were teenagers. Her sister's just livid that she won't quit smoking. And And I said, well... I, I don't mean to be rude here, but what the fuck is the point now? Yeah. If if she is happy smoking, <laughs> you know, this is the end of her life. She gets to pick. But if if me doing shows, if I had never started vaping, my aunt and my mother would not be dual users. They would still be full-time smokers. And I know a lot of people that are that way. Um, you know, what, there was a, a vape meet about a year ago, and I'm, I'm thinking it was one of the World Vape Day events or maybe one of our, our big annual events that, that we hold here. And a, a dear friend of mine that actually helped me when I first moved here to Utah, um, you know, I, I, I used to live with this gal uh, because when I first moved here, my wife and I actually had to, to separate for about nine months while we were trying to sell the house back home. I was here working, so I was living with strangers. And I became really close, close friends with this gal. And she has a friend who she must have been 75 who was a two- or three-pack-a-day smoker. She brought her to one of the vape meetings. And the gal that I was friends with didn't vape, never smoked. Uh, but, you know, she, she knew my passion. She knew what I did and certainly supported it. And she brought this, this gal to one of the vape meets. The lady could barely walk. Um, but, you know, she constantly had to, she pushed herself through pain to go out and get cigarettes every day. 
And, you know, she saw her friend just slowly withering away, basically, even, you know, at 75 years, lifetime smoker, you know, a couple packs a day, and brought her to a basement. We switched her over that day. And how did that make I mean, you it, feel? It, 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 it was, you know, listening to her story, watching her with her, and honestly, we set her up with just a, um, um, she didn't want any of the big devices or anything like that. She was the, the type of person that, you know, she's been smoking for 50 years. She wants something she can hold between her fingers and, you know, not feel like she's trying to hold up a weight. So we set her up with a, you know, a, a decent cigarette kit. You know, not a disposable, not a, an in, Enjoy or a Blue. You know, we got, I think it was one of the Bogue ones or something like that that was a nice rechargeable automatic sort of thing. And seeing the smile on her face when she took that first, that first drag off of it, she was just, she was giggling. 75-year-old woman was giggling. She's like, this tastes good. Mm-hmm. It looks like I'm smoking. It feels like I'm smoking. I love this. And she sat there, and she talked to everybody at the big meet, and she just became like everybody's mom all of a sudden. I mean, she became part of the family in five minutes. And she's still vaping to this day. My, yeah, it, it's a great feeling. My friend Bonnie, uh, the one that I went to lunch with the other day, um, was a smoker all her life. And Bonnie said to me one day, she said, um, so how about them E6? She's my hairdresser, by the way. She said, so uh, tell me about them E6. I said, okay, what do you want to know? She said, I don't know. Tell me about them. I said, well, I said, I'm not, I'm not pushy with people. You know, I, I am that person, Aaron, that when I go shopping, I carry a purse the size of probably your carry on airline luggage. And <laughs> when, when I get, so you're one of those. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those. Um, there's usually like five e-cigs in it. There really is. <laughs> it's sad. So I carry all of the the business cards that I get from vendors. Okay, yeah. Margo's in the chat going, yes, she does. Yeah, it's big. Um, but it's. I tell you what, when I go to a vape meet, I could shop all day at a vape meet and not have to carry stuff back to my room. So there's a bonus to that. But So I carry all the business cards that I get from vendors. I carry them with me. You know, I always have at least 15 of them in the side of my purse. And I have printed off address labels. With, you know, my name is Jeannie. My email address is JeannieVapes at gmail.com. If you want some information, let me know. And when I walk into a store and people are looking at me funny as I'm vaping and they're standing out there in the rain or in the sun or in the freezing aspect or cold. It was negative 20 here the other morning. Um, when they give me that funny look, I reach in the side of my purse and I get one of them business cards and I hand it to them. As I'm walking in the store. And that's all I do. That's all I do. And I keep walking. Yep. And they're like, why? You know, my husband's like, why didn't you stop and talking to him? I said, because, husband, there isn't a smoker on the fucking planet that wants me in their face telling them they should quit. They should quit now. It needs to be their idea. And you know what? Exactly. It's about planting the seeds. And there's about one out of every 20 or two dozen that send me an email and ask me, 
what was that thing that you had? Tell me, you know, can you, what can you tell me about these e-cigarettes? And they end up making that switch. And I find that that I've converted more people that way than anything. Just like that. It's It's a great idea. It is phenomenal. You know, and, and for me, that works for me because, you know, I never wanted anybody in my face. My dad, my dad is an ex-smoker and my dad is one of those ex-smokers that was, Jesus H. Christ, I don't know why you just don't quit that shit. (laughs) I quit cold turkey, you know, and I was smoking three packs of cigarettes a day. Yep, dad, you did. You did. But pill to school. In the snow every day. Yeah, but, Dad, I can remember you drinking two gallons of lime Kool-Aid a day, two bags of pretzel rods, and gaining 120 pounds. And you were miserable. No, I wasn't. I was fine. Yeah, you were the only one that thought you were fine when you quit smoking, Dad. Believe me, because Mom (laughs) and my sister and I wanted to run away. You know, but... So my dad was, my dad is that kind of an ex-smoker, you know, and, and my mother, he constantly was on my mom. And I finally said to him, I said, dad, he's like, you need to get your mother to quit. You quit. I'm like, dad, really, you need to stop because the more you bitch at her about smoking, the more she is never going to quit. Yep. And he quit bitching at her. And she said to him one day, she said, Tom. Why don't you get a hold of Jeannie and and see where you can order me one of those damn things on your computer? And he said, you mean on the Internet? She said, yeah, your computer. Because as far as my mother's concerned, a computer is only good for two things. Playing euchre and playing spades. That's it. That, that, that's the only damn thing computers are good for. Spades and euchre. Other than that, She's done. So, you know, my dad calls me up on the phone and he said, tell me where to go order one of them. I said, dad, now? He says, no, she asked. She really did. She asked, where do I go order it? And so now my mother is a dual user. So, you know, I am, I am thrilled with that. And my dad doesn't bitch at her about smoking. The only thing he will say to her is, is if you're getting in the truck with me in a half an hour to go wherever, make sure you're not smoking before then. I don't want you stinking up my truck. <laughs> and she says, oh, kiss my ass and gets her e-cig out. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, like it's all, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a win. You know, it's count, count everyone. I am one of these people that I always tell people, count everyone you don't smoke. Don't count the ones that you do. And that's the best advice I can give anybody when they're making that switch is not to beat themselves up. For me, the switch was easy. I went from smoking to vaping immediately. 10 o'clock in the morning on January the 8th, I had my last cigarette. 1.30 in the afternoon, I had my first vape. When I pulled that last cigarette out of the pack, I thought, if I check the mail and that thing's not here, I'm getting another pack. Well, I got busy, got busy, and didn't get to the post office. It was one thirty-four. I got to the post office. But I am here to tell you, when I put the key in the mailbox, if that son of a bitch hadn't have been in the mail, I'd have went next door 
to my cousin's store and bought a pack of cigarettes. I would have. But I, I got the I blue. Was, and was it the same way. In fact, you're a year and four days ahead of me. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I got the blue and I got home and I was in this panic four hours later when I've gone through two boxes of these cartridge things. And I'm on the Internet and I went to the biggest vaping forum in the world and said, you know, what am I doing wrong? This isn't working. And the response I got was, that's what you get for being a stupid bitch and buying a blue. So I went and found another forum. And the people at this other forum were fantastic. They were they were phenomenal. Um, Don Schutz and Gary, uh, Gary Briggs that is now owns Vaporheads and Terry Brazel. I mean, these people helped me figure it out. And I got a 510 kit. Now, within a month, I had a fistful of 510 batteries because you needed 500 of these things to be able to go to the grocery store without having a battery go dead. But, you know, it, 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 it worked for me. You know, and then blue, and then the egos got big, and I paid $110 for my first ego kit from Janny because they were the only ones that sold them. And it was a 650 my ego kit. But you know what? That thing was amazing to me. I remember that my first kit was, you know, standard 510. Uh, paid $250 for four batteries. Um, I didn't buy blue. I bought something I found on the internet. Z-SIGs, if anybody's been around long enough to remember Z-SIGs. Uh, I don't even know if they're still around. Um, personal charging case, a couple of bottles of juice and, and the batteries. Yeah, it was uh, like $250. Bucks. Um, but I tell you what, came in the mail. Uh, in fact, it was the one and only time in my life where the mailman has delivered to my door. I'm guessing because there were too many packages at the communal mailbox. Um, and opened it up like a kid at Christmas and had my last cigarette at 1.30 in the afternoon on January 12, 2011. Um, never picked one up again. Yeah, I mean. It, it worked that quickly for me. It was that easy. And there are those people out there that have a really hard time with the switch. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. You know, and I guess I get kind of ornery when vapors are like, well, you just need to give up them last four. What the hell's the matter? It's like, shut up. This isn't you. This is them. This is this is their journey. And who are you to criticize their journey? If they feel that they still need to have that one cigarette a day, Go for it. I don't have a problem with that. Because because one is better than 20. Or one is or better 20. than than 50, as was my case. You know, I was yep. I was smoking two and a half packs of cigarettes a day. And, you know, and yep. that's a that's an estimate. It might have been higher or lower. Um, but it was always right around that. And, you know, I when I wrote the article, I there was a there was a thread in in one of the advocacy chats one day and 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 I won't even say which one because it's not indicative of what usually goes on there but um some people were really annoyed about the tobacco shops that sell vape stuff and I'm like you know you can't just blanket judge something like that and yeah. 
And what really struck me was the attitude that was going out about smokers. And so Alex, I was talking to Alex Carlson, and I'm like, how do you not lose your fucking mind over this stuff? How, how do you not go insane over this? Because I'm sitting here going insane. I'm yelling at my computer. And Alex came back with, hey, Jeannie, you ought to write something. So I wrote the article that they put up on, I wrote the little article they put up on Vapor Militia. And it was, you know, did, did have we forgotten where we come from? Because it yep, has I seemed, remember that article. yeah, it has seemed to me lately that people have forgotten that they were smokers or they have forgotten what it was like to be that smoker. And some of the attitudes that are portrayed towards them are exactly like Stanton Glantz's attitude towards us. And I, and I just didn't think that people realized that's how we look. And I don't want to look like that. You know, I mean, if somebody else wants well, to look and, like that, know, more power and, to them. But I don't want to look like that. And, and, and that goes to the, the earlier conversation about the, the guy that put that, that blog entry up about Kassan, ABA, and you know, all the other advocacy groups out there. I mean, that's exactly what he was doing. He was doing nothing more than trying to beat down what everybody is trying so hard to be successful at. And success doesn't have to mean, you know, making a living or making, you know, any money off of it or anything else, because Lord knows, you know, from an advocacy standpoint at least, um, none of us do this for the money. Because there's, you know, the, as any retailer will yeah, tell say you. Say that again. Please say, say that one do. more time, please. Which part? We don't do this for money? Thank you. It's not um, about... We don't get paid for this. Um, but, I mean, when you truly look at the industry, you know, for anybody who has been around the industry long enough, um, you know, the, the retailers, you know, while they do it, do it for money, I mean, there, there's got to be a, a financial incentive in it for them, obviously, or they wouldn't get into the retail side. But the profit margins are extremely small in that in and of itself. And when you look at the advocacy side, yeah, you know, some of the groups take money. You know, our, our association takes money through, through the form of yearly dues from our membership. But 100% of it, well, I'll say 90% of it goes to the lobbyists. The other 10% pays for things like our website, pays for things like printing when we have to take a bunch of, you know, a big stack of prints up to the legislature, things like that. That's all that it pays for. I don't get paid a dime. Julie doesn't get paid a dime. Jan doesn't get paid. Greg doesn't get paid. These guys don't. No, but none of us get paid for this. We do it out of the goodness of our heart because we love the industry, because we don't want to be tied down necessarily to a retail shop or have you know our, our, our lives depend upon that. Um, some people have that, that gumption, that risk, you know, in, in, in born in their bodies, in their psyches. I don't. Um, you know, I grew up with a, you know, a family member who's a business owner. I didn't quite get that, that business sense. Um, but nonetheless, it's all about harnessing that passion and doing whatever it is you can do, whether it be advocacy, whether it be retail, whether it be manufacturing, whatever it happens to be, do it. There's well, not always going to be money involved, but you know what? We don't have to get paid for everything that we do in our life. And sometimes there is money involved. I mean, I'm not going to gloss that over because sometimes there is money involved. Because some of these people do this, it is their full-time job. Or, sure. or besides it being their full-time job, 
people don't seem to understand that when you know you've got servers and stuff running that 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 stuff does cost money but these people are not making a killing doing this they're not and it didn't start out as well i suppose if you pay me i'll go do this that is not how any of this shit started none of it no no if it was Stefan would be making enough money to get some hair implants. <laughs> Poor Stefan. Sorry, I had to throw that in. I had to pick on <laughs> Stefan at least once. Bald is beautiful, Stefan. Bald is beautiful. Just, just That's know okay. that. Okay, I have no room to talk. Trust me, I look almost identical to Stefan. So. <laughs> but yeah, I am. Um, you know, and this when I started this show, the show did not start out about advocacy. By the way. It it did not, um, but it, it is over the course of the last. What are we? At? Oh, and I put the number in. Oh, it's ninety six. Over the last ninety six episodes, uh, this show has has morphed into um, something other than what it started as, and not because I felt I needed to change it, but because my views have changed. You know, I have always always done my shows what I wanted them to be and what was really drawing me. Um, I do a DIY show once a month because DIY, I'm extremely passionate about DIY. I, it's something I really, really enjoy. And, and I like helping people do that. But advocacy to me is, is a big deal now. And, and everybody's like, well, you know, and everybody's talking about advocacy now. Well, that's good. That's just phenomenal. Yes. Ed Green. Fuck, fuckity, fuck, fuck. There, you happy? Um, it is important to me now because we are literally in a battle for what we know as our lives. We really are. And I'm not trying to shove it down anybody's throat, but if I can clue in one more person into knowing that they can become a part of helping fight the fight, whether they have five minutes or whether they have five hours or whether they have five days or whether they have 30 days a month to put towards it, they can do something. There's always something we can do, no matter how small and insignificant, you know, that I feel is a vapor, there's something that I can do. Yep, exactly. And every little bit counts. It does. And I think that I think the life changing stories are important. Um, and he, I'm gonna throw a link in the chat too because, and I have to fill this out because I didn't realize until just now. So bad on you, Jan. Um, I didn't realize that Casa had a testimonials page, asking for people's stories. And they do, so I have to go and sit down and fill that out because usually every year on my vape anniversary. I tell everybody the story about I damn near died. Um, at this point, I think everybody has has heard it. But um, it never stops being unimportant to me. And it shouldn't. You know, um, this is why I'm still alive. And I don't have a shadow of a doubt that um, I would either be dead or dying without it. Mm-hmm. So it's important. But 
you know, you know, you know, you know. <laughs> I am, um, and you know, I do. All of these people that do these shows do these shows for free. Um, well, most of them do anyway. Uh, nobody at Vapor's Place gets paid a, a dime. So when Kevin says he's going to give us a hundred percent increase on our pay, um, zero times a hundred is still zero. But um, you know. Am I involved somewhat in in a uh, for-profit portion of vaping? Yes, I am. But that's not what my shows are about. They have nothing to do with that. You know, um, I, I give away some of the stuff that I make on other people's shows, but very rarely do I ever do it on my own. The people that lead the charge are are underappreciated and i think that's why i was so offended when i was reading down through this blog you know um every and everybody has their purpose and a lot of times those purposes are different you know the ava for example you know when kevin when kevin come up with the idea for the ava it was solely to get out on this bad pr to put out good pr and to try to educate these people that the information that they have is incorrect. You know, so the AVA has its mission. And I think they're doing a hell of a good job with their mission. CASA has its mission. I think CASA is doing a hell of a good job with theirs. Each one, whether it's, you know, the militia or the AVA or CASA or local vapor groups or state vapor groups or the NVC or what, you know, look at, look at what these people say they're going to do. And if you want to know which one to join, I'm going to tell you, join any one of them. Join all of them. Join whatever, all of them. Whatever one strikes you as fits your foot. Wear that shoe, or wear them all. I don't and, care. And one of the, one of the points that I, I did see raised, you know, after that 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 article came out was, you know, there's not a one size fits all organization for advocacy, uh, not only in in our community but in any community. You look at the marijuana movement. You look at our movement. You look at some alcohol movement or whatever it happens to be. Whatever the movement is, PETA. Um, you know, there's there's not one organization. That's going to be the end-all, be-all for everyone. And that's okay. That's the, the beauty of, of living where we live is we can have different opinions, different approaches, all fighting for the same end result. Find one that fits you. Get involved in it in any way that you can. But don't just sit back and bitch about somebody who's not doing it right when you're not doing anything at all. Uh, Michael Morris, I don't, oh yeah, because I was only, yeah, okay, never mind. I was going to say that, I don't understand that, but I do understand what you're saying. Um, yeah, and, and Jan, Jan put a really good statement into chat. I don't give a fuck who wins, just that we win. Yes, Jan. Yes, Jan. For that all vapors and all future vapors, yes, that we win. Don't give a shit what organization it is that ends up getting the credit for that as long as it's done. It's a good thing. Yep, agreed. 
So, sir, I want to thank you immensely for agreeing to come on here and do this with me. I, it, it means a lot to me when people agree to come on the show with me. Um, I, I know I have a lot of Ushiny moments. Um, in case you weren't prepared for those, they happen a lot. Um, <laughs> we, we have lots of little squirrels that we all get distracted by. That's okay. Yeah, well, there is that. But um, is there anything else that you wanted to add? Um, nothing more than I already have. You know, just, you know, again, get off your, your derriers and get involved. Um, you know, whether you're in Utah or Colorado or Massachusetts, wherever, get off your butt. Get involved. Don't sit there and wait for everybody else to do the work. You know, it's important that you get out there. I just can't say that enough. It's it's probably the most important thing that, you know, we as a community need, we as advocates need. Every one of us that, that are involved in the, you know, in the, in the, the, the advocacy side at, at, our, at, at my level. So the Jans of the world, the Julies, the Stefans, the Aarons, the the Marks or whoever they happen to be, you know, who are deeply in, do, deeply rooted into these associations, these organizations. We can only do so much. We are one. You are many. It, it, it takes the entire community to get together, help monitor for this stuff, come up with ideas, bring ideas to the table. One idea is not going to solve the problem. This is not Microsoft. We don't have one way to do it. Um, this is a Mac where you can do it like 10 different ways. Um, and we actually publish how you can do it 10 different ways. Um, sorry, I had to throw that out there for the, uh, you know, the, the fanboys. Um, but, you know, get out there and, and fight. You know, help out. Um, you know, again, I, I keep coming back to Utah. Obviously, that's my back, you know, that's my back door here. That's my backyard. Um, but one of the things that we've seen here in Utah that I've not seen happen anywhere else in the country, and this is just a really strange analogy to use, but we have a couple of very passionate people who don't necessarily want to be involved in the association but want to be involved in the industry, you know, in advocacy in kind of their own way. And what they've done is they've actually gone out, they've, they've found every Utah-based Facebook group, strange as it sounds, every social media group in Facebook, they have found all the admins, they have pulled all the admins together, they have held meetings with the admins, they're, they're forming their own like admin association to try and combat underage usage, underage activity, um, to combat negativity, to try and bring the community together. They've almost formed their own outreach organization. That is a passion I've not seen anywhere else. It has lit a fire under the, the community's ass here in Utah that in four years of doing this, I have never seen this happen before. It's incredible. That's the kind of passion that we need out there. I know this year when we have, and we've got three bills we're going to have to fight this year. Well, there's three bills. There's two of the three that I know we're going to have to fight. One of them we're actually going to be supporting. Um, but for those two bills, when they, they come up, 
I know that we will be filling that, that, uh, that committee room far beyond fire capacity. We're going to have standing room only in the lobby, and there's going to be media there to see this. And we, we will be the only community supporting or opposing a bill that will show up in such a force that it will make a scene. There's nothing else that ever does that. Walk softly and carry a big stick. Yep. That's it exactly. Do you ever notice the older we get, the the more all the crap that our grandparents used to say makes sense? Oh, God, don't say that. You know how many times I've had to apologize to my own parents because of that? Oh, uh, yeah, I know. I've called my mother on the phone (laughs) and said, you know what? I am sorry for ever being a teenage girl. I, I really, really am, Mom. And I said, how did you not kill us? And she said, well, just think of it this way. If you and your sister are alive, then your two girls will grow to be adults, too. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And That's then, it. Or I've called her on the phone and went, damn it, Mom. She's like, what did you say now? <laughs> because, you know, I'll open my mouth and say something. I'm like, oh, God, I sound just like my mother. But yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, I I grew up. My dad used to be a big motivational speaker, um, you know, listener, um, and actually got into a little bit of motivational speaking himself for a short time period. And I used to think that was the stupidest damn thing I've ever heard. You know, listening to Zig Ziglar talk about you know improving your life and living a good life and and this and that and how to be a better businessman or or whatever it happened to be. And he used to put on this, the, the the cassette tapes in the car on family trips purposely so we could we would have to sit there and listen to it. It was the only way he could ever get us to listen. Um, and, of course, my sister and I would sit there with our headphones on or we'd sit there and just kind of, nah, 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 you know, try and tune it out. And today I sit here and I listen to TED speeches. I listen to all kinds of other people talking, and I'm just like, my God, I have turned into my father. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, one thing that, you know, one aspect that my mother was raised on a farm. So, you know, when my mother got off the farm, she was never going back. The closest my mother gets to growing anything is her flowers. That's it. And um, my mother, my mother and I were sitting on my mother's back deck and a girl that I graduated from high school with came walking up and and, uh, was going to ask my mother where I lived. And... um, my mom, so we ended up in this conversation, of course, and my mom says, oh, yeah, and holy shit. She says, uh, so, uh, you know, Jeannie's got chickens and, and grows vegetables, right? And my friend started laughing hysterically, and she's like, no, yeah, really. And my mom says, no, she she really does. And um, my high school friend looked at me and went, who the hell are you and what did you do with Jeannie? Because it was just, you know, something, it's it's funny how we grow and we change and we, we sit there as kids and think, oh, we're never going to do that and everything. Well, half of the reason that I garden is I listen to my mother talking and telling stories about the farm when she was growing up. Well, she wanted nothing to do with that when she got older. Well, I was a, a townie kid growing up and now I'm growing damn vegetables. So never box yourself in, I think, is one of the things that I would say to people about about advocacy and stuff when we when we get passionate about this and we all end up into politics and stuff don't don't stop with vaping you know if you live in san francisco 
start bitching about not being able to cook a hamburger on your grill. Yell yep. about that too. Hey, you know, pay, really, it's it's about paying attention to what's going on around you, what's going on in your own community. You know, look at what's not just going to affect you, but what what's going to affect your neighbors, what's going to affect your family members, your friends. You know, like you said, just don't stop. Stay out there. Stay passionate. If you don't have anything that, you know, is affecting you today, it will eventually, give it time. Um, but get out there and help help others. That's absolutely right. Couldn't have said it better. Thank you very much, sir. Again, I want to thank you very much for agreeing to come on here with me. Um, I I know you have had a really, really long day. <laughs> That's okay. I won't tell you about my day, but um, you know what? After I've had dinner, I'm on my, on my, to my second drink by now. Um, yeah, it's good. It's good. I yeah. couldn't have you know, thought of a better group of people to send my evening with. The second handshake with Jack, and, and your, your day has ending better than it started evidently no no jack uh jack is missing from my house so you know i'm having to go to rum right now all righty sir well i am going to end this show i'm going to let you get on with the rest of your evening um and again i appreciate it anytime you have any updates or anything or anytime you really just feel like you want to come back on and chat with me if you ever feel like that again let me know I would be happy to, and I uh, appreciate the, the opportunity. It's It's been a pleasure. You have a wonderful night, sir. And all of you other people, I will see you next week. Thank you, Bench. We'll talk soon.